If you would please turn to Romans 5, verse 1. Uh, Before we really get going, I want to uh, acknowledge something that me and Chris realized this morning. Here I am preaching on Labor Day weekend, and the last time I preached on Memorial Day weekend, and so I tell you that just to say I'll see you probably the Sunday after Thanksgiving. So... (laughs) Romans 5, verse 1. If you would please stand for the reading of God's word. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Please pray with me. Father, we come right now asking you to be good to us, to, for your spirit who is powerful to move in our hearts. And Father, I ask that you would help us to at least begin to be convinced that in the midst of the knowledge of our sin and the suffering that maybe we are dealing with, that we have forgiveness and that we have peace with you. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. If you would please be seated. Sometime between um, college and seminary, I went through that very, uh, before seminary, that every seminarian goes through a very nerdy theological phase. And in that phase, I discovered uh, the writings and the life of Martin Luther. And, I mean, I was swallowing every book whole. I mean, I got... This was before DVDs, really, or at least before we had a DVD player. I got the VHS of the old black and white movie, and I now have the, the, the newer version with Ralph Fiennes. And, I mean, I was reading every biography I could, sometimes more than once. I was getting my hands on everything I could. I loved the way he talked about work and food and drink and marriage. And I loved the way he talked about the Word. And I loved the way he talked about justification by faith. I love the way he talked about the gospel of grace. And I do not remember when it was the first time I, or even where it was, that I heard him uh, or read this quote by him that is there in your uh, worship guide. Where Luther says, To be convinced in our hearts we have forgiveness of sins and peace with God by grace alone is the hardest thing. Even though I don't remember when it was, I do remember that there being kind of an aha moment for me at that time. I remember going, yes, of course. I mean, this is, it's the thing, and it makes sense that it would be the hardest thing. I love that quote because it helped me see where the battle lies, that we need to believe the gospel And we know we need to believe it. And we need to be convinced of the forgiveness of sins and having peace with God. But it's really hard. It's hard because we oftentimes don't feel forgiven or we are fearful of not being forgiven in a given moment. And we don't feel like we're at peace with God. And so um, I want to do two things this morning. I want to answer two questions The first one is, is why is it hard? Why is it hard 
to be convinced of these things. And then the second thing, that'll be hopefully fairly brief, and then the second thing will be, how does Romans 5.1, where Paul says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How does that speak in to our need to be convinced and the reasons why it's so hard? So first, why is it hard to be convinced we have forgiveness and peace with God? I've got two, at least two reasons There's probably more, but I've got two this morning that I think our passage answers. First is, our hearts want to rest in our own works. And you know, in our culture, it is pretty easy for us to get there. It's just natural. We live in a culture that values hard work, effort, industry, doing things really well, And so it is very easy for us to want to rest in our works. I mean, outside of our spiritual lives, everything points in that direction. That we, you know, something needs to be done, we do it, we do it well, we do it quickly, we do it efficiently, and we get it done, right? I mean, that's that's the way our culture works. And, you know, that works also, that creeps into our spiritual lives. I, I don't know about you, but it's kind of when I get to the end of the day, And I lay my head on the pillow at night. This happens far too often. I I start going back through my day. And oftentimes, guilt just kind of comes over me. And then I start kind of taking an accounting of my day. Then the temptation is for me, and probably for some of you also, to rest in my own work and to be fearful of the things I haven't done. So I look back over that day, and I either comfort myself with my work, or I, get, I start feeling even more guilty. And so I'll, I'll go, well, you know, I was really unkind today to someone at work. You know, I looked down on someone at work today. Oh, but the good news is, is my payment to Compassion International came out today, and so I feel a little bit better, right? Or maybe what happens is, is you know, I, I yelled at number one child, but I was really good to number two and number three child today. So I'm okay today. Or it's the opposite. It is just a wave of guilt that comes over. And what's so infuriating about it is that I know, and you know, that that is an awful way to think about our sin and our sin problem. Intellectually, we know that's not the way to think about it, but that's the direction that we go because it is so easy for us to want to rely on our own works. And, you know, Paul actually, I think, assumed this, which is why chapter 5 follows the way it does and why this this verse follows 3 and 4. Chapters 3 and 4, Paul is making the argument that... Um, for Jews in, and Gentiles, we, we have been justified by faith. No matter if you're Jew, no matter if you're Gentile, you're justified by faith apart from works of the law. And so he knows their own temptation to try to justify themselves when they put their heads on the pillow at night or when the wave of guilt comes over them. 
He wants them to know that they are justified by faith and not works. If we are honest, we know that we have hearts that want to rely on our works. Now, that's the first thing. The second thing that makes it hard to be convinced is our sufferings cause us to question whether we have whether we really have peace with God. This is really just kind of the other side of the same coin. Suffering comes into our lives and we wonder what have we done to deserve it. I don't think I'm alone in this. And then we wonder what can we do to make it stop? What work can we perform for God so that this suffering, which is a result of something we did, What can we do to make it reverse? Losing a job, cancer invading your home, appliances breaking all at once and you can't afford to replace or fix them, child diagnosed with a disability, a car breaks down, an empty womb, failure in your chosen vocation, a friend moves away, and loneliness just comes over you. And in those moments, you will, you will ask, and you know you've done it. You will ask, what have I done to deserve this? What have I done to deserve this, God? And so you wonder if really, in fact, you do have forgiveness of sins and peace with God by grace alone. Well, how can Romans 5.1 help us do this? Help us speak into these two reasons why I think it's hard for us to be convinced that we actually have forgiveness of sins and that we actually really do have peace with God. You know, there there are times in our lives, and I've already alluded to this, where sometimes the guilt of our sin and the sufferings in our lives are so overwhelming, it almost feels like we're drowning in them. Um, I was trying to think back with that analogy of drowning. I was trying to think back. Have I ever gotten close to drowning? I don't think so. But I can remember one time when I was in junior high. And when I was in junior high, uh, our youth group here in Birmingham would always, once a year, we'd go up to uh, the wave pool, Point Mallard. And I can remember going, and I, as any other junior high, might would be apt to do would follow around the bigger kids and I can remember one time being in that wave pool and since this day I've not enjoyed wave pools holding onto the raft the waves come and they're pushing me under trying to be funny you know they're pulling me up but they're pushing me under and I remember the very thing I'm trying to get the thing that I'm scared of the water is covering me and I'm, I'm, I'm starting to take it in my mouth some. I can start to, I'm tasting it a little bit because I'm yelling for them to stop and they're like, oh, his mouth's open. Boom, under the water again. And sometimes our guilt and our suffering can be like that. The very thing that is threatening to overcome us when we open our mouths to God and we say, God, help us, you feel like we're swallowing it. And it feels like it's after us. We cannot seem to catch our spiritual breath because the waves are coming over us so fast. But so fast. We open our mouths, take a breath, and it seems like we're swallowing the one thing we're trying to get away from. In those moments, 
for me, I feel like I need something to grab onto. I need a life preserver. I need something to grab onto. So what I want, what I hopefully want, is the truths of Romans 5.1, when the guilt is overcoming us and suffering is coming in. And you know, oftentimes those are happening at exactly the same time. Um, that these truths from Romans 5.1 would be something that we can grab onto so we can pull our heads up above the waterline and catch our breath. I think Romans 5.1 can do that. It tells us at least two things that answer our two reasons it is hard to be convinced we have forgiveness of sins and peace with God by grace alone. Two things. Here they are. Because we are justified by faith, first, we can rest in the work of Christ instead of our own. And second, we can know we have peace with God through the work of Jesus. So first, because we are justified by faith, we can rest in the work of Christ alone. Paul knew his listeners well. He knew uh, when he was writing to the, to the Roman Christians, even though he did not know most of them personally. He had never been to Rome. Um, I think he knew them well. He knew them well enough probably because he knew his own heart. And he knew that they would need some convincing of this truth, of being justified by faith, and the need to hang on to that in the midst of their own guilty feelings. In the midst of their own, not just feelings, but the knowledge of their own guilt. And so when Paul, right there at the beginning of Romans 5.1, when he says, therefore, he's pointing back to the arguments that he made in chapters 3 and 4. In chapter 3, he's making it clear. At the, you know, at the beginning of the chapter, he's pointing out the great uh, how big our sin problem is. And then the latter part of the chapter is the good news of the gospel, that we can be justified by faith apart from works, that a righteousness has actually appeared that is not our own, but is actually Christ. And, um, and, and, and he anticipates the objection that, well, you know, is this really true? I mean, can this really be true that somebody else's righteousness can actually be credited to us and it not be based on our own works? And so he uses the argument of Abraham in chapter 4. And so, so Paul is actually anticipating for the Roman Christians that this would be hard for them to buy into also. Because really, I mean, nothing in their experience, just like nothing in our experience, teaches us that grace alone or that grace is a good idea when we feel guilty. I mean, think about it. He's writing to these Roman Christians and probably their greatest exposure is going to be to pagan religions, right? Pagan religions that when you do something that infuriates the gods or makes them mad or you sin against the gods, what do you do? You give a sacrifice. You go and appease that god by doing something. So you've done something wrong. You go and you fix it somehow. And so that's the, the culture that the Roman Christians have actually, they've imbibed that. They've taken that in and it probably they needed some convincing also. They needed some convincing that, um, that it was not by works, that they could actually rest in someone else's work. 
And also he's probably anticipating the fact because he's dealt with these before. These Judaizers, the ones who, who had bought into the idea that, um, yes, Jesus died to save us from our sins, but you really, you really actually need to be circumcised to actually really be a Christian. And so Jesus, I mean, uh, Paul is, is anticipating this, I'm sure. He's anticipating that these people, if they have not been there already at the church at Rome, that they will come. And he wants to make sure they understand, thus Abraham being justified apart from his circumcision. And then our own hearts, our own hearts, we, we, you know, they probably had the same problem we, we, we do. How many of you, somebody gives you a gift or invites you over or fixes you a good meal or just something very kind for you and your first knee-jerk reaction, I mean, our hearts are just spring-loaded to do this, aren't they? I've got to do the same thing back. I, and, and I've got to do it quickly. You know, I've got to, and, and you know, it's, it, and it's kind of funny in Southern culture too because you get a gift, you know, it, for your wedding or whatever, and you've got to, it's almost like we've got to pay them back with the thank you note. Within a year, of course, you've got the, the year, I think, still. At least when I got married, we did. But, I mean, our hearts do this. I mean, we don't even need pagan religion. We don't need Judaizers. We don't need anything else. Our hearts are just spring-loaded to actually, when somebody does something good for us, we want to pay them back. And, and we want to pay them back not simply because... And it's payment. It's not, it's not just thankfulness. It's actually payment. But the gospel says, and Paul wants them to be convinced, that they stand before God justified by faith. That when they believe the gospel, that the righteousness of Christ is credited to them apart from any work that they have done. And that, that's, that's what he was pointing out about Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so the gospel says, you know, you believe and you get credited with the perfect righteousness of Jesus. As one of my youth said one time years ago, I'll never forget. He said, you, you mean we get credited with the perfectness of Jesus? And I was like, yes, that's exactly right. And so the gospel speaks against this idea of paying God back, which is what our natural tendency is when we are guilty. And so we stand before God in the righteousness of Christ just as if we'd never sinned and just as if we'd done all that was required of us because we are believers in the work of Christ. And so when we're overwhelmed and we feel like we're drowning in the guilt of our sin and we're tempted to buy God's favor with works and effort. We can rest in the work of Christ on our behalf. Practically speaking, go back to putting your head on the pillow at night. You put your head on the pillow at night and instead of doing an accounting ledger and hoping that you have more credits than debits. Can you tell I work at a bank? You look and you go, I have been credited with the infinite amount of righteousness to my account so that now I can sleep knowing that I'm forgiven. The whole time I'm working on this sermon, I actually kept thinking of the, the hymn before the throne of God above when, which says, When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul 
is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Because he looks at the righteousness of Jesus credited to our account and then pardons us. So first, we, we are, because we are justified by faith, we can rest in the work of Christ instead of our own. But not only that, we can also know we have peace with God through Jesus. I want you to think about who is writing this. This is Paul. And Paul, as you remember, a Pharisee who once relied on the works of the law, the one who hunted down persecuted Christians, the one who held the robes of those who stoned Stephen, the first martyr. I, 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 I've been thinking about this all, all week. And my guess is, is Paul would oftentimes, when he would be shipwrecked, or someone would try to stone him, or he would be hungry, or he would have difficulty or get sick because he's traveling, or people would persecute him or speak ill of him. My guess is, is there were times where he would wonder because of that suffering, am I really at peace with God? Or have I gone back to being his enemy again? And so I think Paul probably leaned, this was a, probably a life preserver for Paul. The fact that since we have been justified, that justification not only takes care of our guilty standing, but it also lets us know that we have peace with God. That our suffering is not telling us that we have, that God is now our enemy or that we are an enemy of God for those who believe the gospel. I mean, this would have been very meaningful for those who were steeped in, the, in religious systems where you had to appease God, right? I mean, if you've, if you've got to, if, if you've grown up or if you lived in a culture in which you do something wrong and now you've got to sacrificially do something to pay the price for what you have done wrong and you've got to do it over and over again, it would be very meaningful to know that now... You are not an enemy of God because of the justifying work of Christ. And it's many, meaningful for many, if not all of us, who are suffering. Because when that, those waves are coming over you, and when the difficulties come and the suffering comes and what Luther called the dark night of the soul um, when that happens, it is a good thing to know that we have peace with God. Because oftentimes it doesn't feel like peace. It feels like war. It feels like you have all these things, these vast powers arrayed against you. And it, it is very easy to believe that you are, you've gone back to being God's enemy. And it is hard to believe that he still is at peace with you. Now, um, 
I, I don't want us to be mistaken here because sometimes you can read over this quickly, this idea of, being, of having peace with God and think it's peaceful feelings in the midst of these situations. Peaceful, you know, I talked about laying your head on the pillow. And I, what about at 2 a.m. when you wake up and all the worry comes on you? And, you know, peaceful feelings are foreign. You can't even imagine them. This is not what this is talking about. This is not, we're not talking about peaceful feelings. We're talking about a peace in spite of feelings. We're talking about a status, a standing before God. That we, that when God looks at us, he, he, he looks at us not just as no longer enemies, but he looks at us as children. As his children, his beloved children. He is our Abba Father and he is at peace with us and is now looking to do as much good for us as is possible for him. Which is, of course, infinite. Um, so we need to be honest. It's not going to calm the waters to know this. But it is good to know that when the waters are coming over us, that we can grab onto something that says, even though we don't know why this suffering is coming. Because that's what we want answered, right? We want to know when, when, when something bad happens to, to me, to Matt, and something bad happens to me, my, I am going through almost like this, this Rolodex in my mind of reasons why this could be happening. What could God be doing? Why would God do this to me? And it is, it is good to know in those moments that I can say, even though I don't know why this is happening, why the suffering, why the frustration, I can, I can still say I am at peace with God. We are not at war. He is not my enemy. I am not his enemy. He has nothing but good in mind for me. And when we have that peace with God, even in the midst of asking, what have I done to deserve this? We can, all, we can know that all things are working for our good. Which if you remember, Paul says in Romans 8, and he says that in the context of suffering. He says it between the verse that says, where Paul writes, the suffering that we're dealing with right now cannot compare to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. And then later, he says, there is no suffering, nothing, not even death, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So that's two ways that I think Romans 5 speaks to the reasons why it's hard to be convinced that we have forgiveness of sins and peace with God. Um, I had a, a, a long-time customer come in the bank this week. Uh, we'll call her Jan. Um, she's about 70 years old, maybe closer to 75. And um, she has trouble getting around, a lot of health issues, and a lot of financial issues. And a lot of those financial issues come, I'll, I'll say, Ms. Jan, why, why is your, what, what's going on here? What, what was this check? Why did you pull this money out and do this to your account? And, um, uh, and, and, and she'll go, well, you know, my grandson needed this, and my, my granddaughter needed some money for school, and, and she, her generosity does it. And so, to, so this week she comes in, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing this sermon in my head while I'm at work and at home. And uh, she comes in this week 
And, uh, I mean, her, it's, it's just a, it's a mess. And she's on the verge of tears for about the fifth time in the last few months because it's such a mess. And she doesn't know when the next check is coming in to, to help her out. And um, She looks at me and she goes, Matt, this is a mess. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was like, Miss Jana, I, I don't. I, I'll, I'm, I'll be thinking of ways to help, but I, I just don't know. She goes, she goes. That's okay. That's okay. And then my Lutheran friend says to me, on the verge of tears, "I know I have the forgiveness of Jesus." She turns around and walks away. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for verses like these that easy to remember, easy to grab onto with big ideas about who you are for us. And so, Father, we thank you for the justifying work of Jesus on our behalf. And Father, I pray that by the power of your Spirit that we would be convinced that we do have forgiveness of sins and that we do have peace with you, even though we know it is hard, and that you would draw close to us in the midst of the hardness. We ask all this in Christ's strong name. Amen.